it's January 9th, 2023. Time for episode 197 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. This is the season four premiere. Welcome back. Happy New Year to everyone. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. So today, this episode is kind of resetting the deck. Of course, we went on a short hiatus over the holidays. So we're back uh, getting all into all of the normal Monday um, conversations here. So we'll start with the NFL. So the final week of the regular season brings winners. It brings our playoffs, uh, playoff picture into perspective. And of course, it's Monday and there are the head coaching firings. So we'll walk through some of those. We'll know there'll probably be some more once this recording is done, but we'll see how it all falls out a little bit later. Your winners from from week 18, the Chiefs. Wow. The Chiefs are funny. So did you see the trick play? (laughs) The ring around the rosy play. That was probably the silliest thing I've ever seen on the football field, but quite effective um, uh, against a, I mean, for, for lack of a better way, a, a Raiders team that is very seriously discombobulated. The Jaguars, the Falcons, the Commanders, the Bills wrap up the second seed in the AFC and win 13 games this season. The Vikings, the Bengals, the Texans, the Panthers, the Steelers, the Broncos, The Eagles, 49ers, the Seahawks slide into the playoffs. The Lions get into the playoffs by eliminating the Packers and uh, the Lions eliminate the Packers rather and from from playoff contention rather and the Dolphins. So let's look at the playoff picture to begin. So on Saturday, this coming Saturday, we have two games. We have an NFC wildcard game, the Seahawks at the 49ers, 430 on Fox and then the AFC wildcard, 815 on NBC. The Chargers visit the Jaguars on Sunday, the 15th. Two AFC games, one NFC game will start in the AFC. The Dolphins visit the Bills, 1 p.m. on CBS. NFC, middle of the day, Giants at Vikings, 4.30 on Fox. And then we'll end the night with the AFC again. The Ravens go to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, 8.15 on NBC. Monday Night Football, next week, the Cowboys visit the Buccaneers for your NFC wild card, 8.15 on ESPN. So, news and notes from the NFL. So, we'll start with Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin. So, this young man, I am so happy this young man is still with us. He is in critical condition, but he is progressing with excellent neurological function. So the doctors are basically saying their goal for him is to, you know, at some point relatively soon to be discharged, to continue his treatment, to just get better. Um, you probably heard about the uh, when he woke up, he asked, did we win? And the doctors replied, you won the game of life. And, and, and again, such a blessing. Um, it's, I, I did not see the play, um, you know, and of course, you know, with social media, people want to, you know, put the video online. I, look guys, we, we, we have enough, uh, we, we get enough trauma in our lives, uh, with all these videos and, and to, to see it live. I, I, I could not imagine watching that happen in real time. And of course, with it happening with all those players and fans in the stands and, and of course the quick actions of trainers and doctors saved this young man's life. But I, I just could not could not imagine having seen that on live television, let alone trying to watch it in a rerun. But I am so pleased that this young man is okay and I you know and I'm just you know hope, hoping for his continued um, uh, improvement in his condition. Uh, let's go to some coaching news. Let's start with the good news for however you want to look at it for what it's worth. Bill Belichick said he'll be back for his 24th season uh, in New England. 
So Belichick, he has 329 victories. He is second behind Don Schuler. Schuler, who has 374. And I was doing some math. I was trying to do some quick math earlier. And I said, damn, if Belichick even thinks about wanting to pass Shula, he would have to, I feel like like it's four more seasons. And I think he's 70, he's in his 70s. So I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, at some point you got to let it go. I mean, again, how much more do you have to prove? You've won Super Bowls. You've coached, you know, arguably one of the greatest ever played a game whatever but anyway but he said that they're going to go through him and uh, Robert Kraft are going to go through the standard in the season stuff they're going to talk about you know the good the bad how they can improve what can be better for the for the franchise because again you know Belichick himself said look this isn't the way we want to end things obviously so he wants to come back I mean again he's a competitor he's a true competitor true competitors do these things but at the same time, too, you've got to recognize your limitations. The limitation being, sure, you are probably one of the you know best, greatest football minds ever, you know, amongst the great football minds ever. But at the same time, too, there's a limitation of time. You know, father time. I mean, you know, I, I don't. I'm assuming he's uh, his family and all that sort of stuff. But it's one of those things where it's like, at some point, don't you think you would want to enjoy? the rest of your time, however long it may be with the people you love. But again, like I said, that's just me, but nevertheless, we're seeing a lot of this, but it is what it is. So, but again, Bill Belichick is returning for his 24th season in new England. Let's get to the bad news. So the Texans fire Lovey Smith after one season where he went three thirteen and one. Um, I'm going to kind of put a pin in the Texans and come back to them later. But I think you may, if you listen to this show enough, I think you may know where I'm going to go with this. But um, it, it's just a bad look, a very bad look. I mean, now, listen, we can say that Lovey Smith hasn't had the best of luck in the last few years. I mean, he was the head coach of Illinois and they just weren't very good. I mean, you know, he's had great years as a head football coach. The last few years just haven't been that great. So, I mean, and, and look, Lovey Smith, awesome guy. I love him as a coach. Always rooted for him, um, but I just feel like he was pretty much put in a no-win situation, and I put that on the Houston Texans. That was just, you know, that's just a bad look, but we'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to that later. Um, the most recent news, Cliff Kingsbury was fired by Arizona, so he went 28-37-1, and 10 months ago, he signed a five-year extension. So here's what I think was going to happen here. So one of two things is going to happen. Either... Cliff Kingsbury is going to end up going somewhere back to college. I think he's going to go back to college football. He'll be an OC somewhere, which I think UNLV has an opening, head opening, has an OC opening. We'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> that craziness, man. Just absolute craziness. Um, or he's going to take his money. He's going to go sit on his butt for a few months. Maybe uh, this time in say August, September, he's going to be at ESPN or Fox talking football for the college football season. And then he'll probably find his way back into the college game. Hell, he may end up in a head coaching position. Who knows? But I mean, yeah, it just never really, I mean, he had, I think maybe one or two good seasons and then it just kind of went all the, you know what? So uh, there you go. Steve Kime, their um, kind rather, their GM, he steps away for health concerns. Actually, kind has been on health leave for a few months now, so he's actually stepping away from the position 
permanently to focus on his health. So a lot of disarray in the uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, uh, front office right now and on the field with those two moves announced today. Let's go to the world of tennis. We haven't talked tennis in a while, but it is that time of the year. The tennis season, the Grand Slam season in tennis begins. The Australian Open will start next week, and we have some notable names that will not be there. Men's number one, Carlos Alcaraz. He's withdrawing from the Australian with a leg injury. Two-time champion Naomi Osaka. She withdrew from the tournament uh, a day or two ago. She is currently ranked 47th, and... I commented about this on Twitter that, you know, this is a young lady who, you know, we've seen how she uses her voice. She has such a great voice um, as far as using her platform to advance so many great issues, so many social issues. And um, and and I'm sad to see her not playing. But at the same time, too, I can understand why. But at the same time, too, what I'm hoping is not happening, I'm hoping that. This is not a situation of, and we've seen this a lot in women's tennis and men's tennis to some degree, where someone comes in very young, they you know shoot up the rankings, they win grand slams, and then they just flame out. I'm hoping this is not the case, but I'm hoping that you know the time that she takes away from tennis, that she takes the time to you know rejuvenate herself and to hopefully, if she's lost passion for the game, I don't know, but if she's lost passion for the game, that she finds that passion again. So. Uh, Naomi Osaka will not be at the Australian Open um, and she hasn't played since September. So she's been off for at least a good four four or five months now. So, again, definitely something going on, but it's hard to say what. Simona Halep, a former finalist, will not be there. And Venus Williams, who recently got a wild card to play in the tournament, has to, per the article, hand the wild card back. She injured her hand while practicing in New Zealand, so she will not be at the Australian Open as well. Um, hopefully I haven't seen the draw yet. So I hopefully we'll, we'll talk about the Australian open draw, uh, within the next uh, couple shows. Um, some other news from tennis, Martina Navratilova, 18 time grand slam champion and international tennis hall of famer was diagnosed with throat and breast cancer. Her prognosis, she said is very good and she has started treatment. So all the best to the great Martina Navratilova in her beginning fight against cancer. Let's move over to college basketball. So week 10. So let's start with the ladies, the AP top 10. So since we haven't talked in a while, we're going to reset the deck a little bit. I'm not going to get into too many details of scores. Uh, been a lot of games, as you know, with both men and women's college basketball. The big aim here has been the beginning uh, or the beginning for some teams of conference play. Some teams played a couple conference games in December. Now we're full blown into uh, conference place. So let's go to the top 10. Number one, again, South Carolina. They hold with 28 first place volts, holding it to a Stanford and holding it three is Ohio State. UConn up one spot to four. LSU up two spots to five. Indiana holds at six. Notre Dame drops three spots to seven. UCLA up four spots to eight. Maryland up four to nine. And Utah drops ten, two spots to number 10. Um, your movers this week, big movers, Baylor moves up five spots to 18 and both Virginia Tech and Iowa State drop four spots to number 13 for Virginia Tech and number 15 for Iowa, respectively. Out this week, St. John's and Creighton, both from the Big, big East 
and the Illinois, the Fighting Illini women, they are in at number 24. This is their first poll appearance since 2000 under first-year head coach Shauna Green. So Shauna Green was previously at Dayton. She had a really good program at Dayton. And the rumors were kind of out there last season that, you know, she was a targeted candidate for a couple jobs where she took the Illinois job. And this Illinois team is doing really well under her tutelage. So the sky's the limit here, but that's just the, you know, the beginning of the good for Illinois. So kind of recapping some things from maybe the last week, uh, maybe the last few days, uh, last week here. Um, first off, last night, a couple Pac-12 games of note. Arizona beat Oregon. Um, really good game. I think Arizona pulled away at the end. I was checking out Stanford and Cal. So Cal was giving Stanford the business. It was back and forth. Now, mind you, most teams don't have the ability to match up with Cameron Brink. So Cameron Brink was having a game. I believe she ended with almost, I believe she ended with almost 30 points. I, at one point, I felt like she had about 25 points. I had checked the box score. But Cal, I think there were two or three possessions towards the end of the fourth quarter where if they had run their set a, with a little bit more uh, patience, I think they could have scored enough to kind of, make this a game and potentially upset Stanford. But that was a really close one for Stanford. Um, but I know uh, Stanford had a number of turnovers in this game. Uh, they shot the three-pointer fairly well, and they made shots when they needed to. So I know head coach Tara Vanderveer is probably not happy with that performance. Not to say that they should have beaten Cal badly, but Cal has improved greatly over the last couple seasons. And I think this is a team to kind of keep your eye on. I think they've definitely got some talent that I'm not going to say they're going to win the Pac-12, but they're going to make some teams earn it. That's what I'm going to say about Cal. Um, Utah lost to Colorado on Friday. Um, that's a big loss for them. Uh, Connecticut, they are shorthanded due to injuries. I believe they're down to six players. They canceled their game yesterday against DePaul. I think it was a home game for uh, the Huskies. Um Virginia Tech yesterday lost to Miami uh, at the Wasco Center. Um, also, whatever. Yes, um, LSU. So we say LSU is up to number five this week in the poll. Angel Reese, whoa, she is snapping at LSU. So I believe she is averaging about a double-double right now. Um, and I believe one game, a, few, a couple games ago, she grabbed 28 rebounds. So I don't know. She was good at Maryland. I don't know what it is, but it's just that change of scenery. She's going to LSU and she is losing it. Now, here's the caveat. The the uh, what the uh, season, the uh, I like when I'm on a roll and my brain just stops working. Love that. <laughs> um, the non-conference, the non-conference schedule. Now, LSU's non-conference schedule, let's just face it, it wasn't that fantastic. So, some folks will kind of say that because the non-conference was meh, okay, it would be it was easy for Angel Reese to snap. But they're they're working their way into SEC play, and she is on a tear. So look out for this LSU team. I mean, again, you know, Kim Mulkey's got them, you know, going in the right direction. So then the question is, how do they how do they kind of translate this into SEC play again? You know. Do they win the SEC? Probably not, unless something crazy happened with South Carolina. But 
as we know, they play for a reason because, you know, playing, you play to win, you play the games, the games determine how the thing's going to go. So we'll see how it goes. But um, she's just she's really having a fantastic season uh, in, in Baton Rouge. Let's look at the men's poll. So the men's poll top 10 Houston regains the number one position with 34 first place votes. They move up a slot. Kansas moves up a slot to number two with 22 first place votes. Purdue. Purdue drops two spots to three with four first place votes. Purdue got knocked off at home by Rutgers. Rutgers gave them the business. If you remember last year, Rutgers beat Purdue. And this year they went to Mackey and they showed out. Purdue still a very good team, but Rutgers just shot well. They were on it. So Purdue at number three. Alabama up three to four, Tennessee up three to five, six through 10, UConn down two spots to six, UCLA up three spots to seven, Gonzaga up one spot to eight, Arizona dropped four spots to nine, and Texas dropped four spots to number 10. Now, Arizona lost to Washington State, uh, Saturday, I believe Saturday night, so this past weekend. So essentially, this is the first loss in the Tommy Lloyd era at home for Arizona. So Arizona is still in the top 10, but they had that loss to Washington State. So that's going to really shake things up in the Pac-12. Texas, Texas is an interim coach. If you remember, we reported that Chris Beard was arrested for domestic assault. Um, the university was going to wait to see you know, how this thing kind of played out. They made the announcement a few days ago. He was let go. So there was a provision in his contract that if he engaged in any felonious activities that he could be terminated. And without having this adjudicated in the judicial side and his lawyer, Chris Beard's lawyer, said that he's innocent. Um, his fiance, who the uh, domestic abuse occurred against his fiance, as you remember, called the police saying life, you know, and it was a special alert. The person his life is in imminent danger. She comes back later and says, no, it wasn't like that. This, that, and the third. So again, from the outside looking in, it looks a little strange, but domestic abuse is domestic abuse. It's inexcusable no matter what, when, why, how. So with that, Texas lets him go and they paid him a lot of money. If you remember, he was at Texas Tech. He leaves and goes to Texas, takes the Texas job. And I think he's only been on the job about a year and a half. So they're under interim coach. So it's going to be interesting to see how Texas kind of rebounds from all of that. So your movers this week in the men's poll, Kansas State, they move up 15 spots to number 11. Man, Jerome Tang has got that Kansas State team doing some good stuff here. Duke drops eight spots to 24. Duke is literally one, two spots away from dropping out of the top 25, which is weird and unheard of. So you know, if you follow college basketball, you, you know, you're either in one of two camps. You love Duke, you can't stand Duke. Me, I'm not even going to get into that. I'm just like this. As an observer of the game, it would be a little weird to see that happen. It has happened. It hasn't happened. It's happened in relative recent memory. But you probably have somebody somewhere who's panicking like, oh, this is the end. Coach K leaves and it's all going to you know what. And I'm going, Relax. Duke's got a young team. It's Shire's first year. I'm not saying he's new to the rodeo. He's he sat next to the great one for many, many years. He knows how to get it done. He just has to get it done his way and get this team to gel. It's 
going to happen. If they fall out of the pole, big whoop de do. Duke is going to be okay. I Seriously, I am not worried about Duke. I'm not. They're going to be fine. But it's just weird to see them so far down the pole, which when I believe the season started, they were ranked pretty high. I believe they, I don't think they were quite top 10, but they were close to the top 10. Um, Out of the poll this week, Indiana, Baylor, New Mexico, and Ohio State. So in in, in the same way in talking about the women, um, you can say the same thing about the men that, you know, we're starting conference play. Um, You know, you're seeing a lot of teams that are struggling that you wouldn't expect to struggle. So I think Kentucky's struggling right now, which is weird. I remember seeing uh, a couple weeks ago, there were a whole bunch of tweets where people were going, Calipari's got to go. They said, oh, my God. Like, again, a, a team, and, and they struggled a couple, what, two or three seasons ago they struggled, if you recall. So, you know, this is, you know, when they struggled then, you're thinking, okay, you know, everybody has a bad season. You know, UNC went through some struggles. Duke went through some struggles. Michigan State is kind of struggling a little bit. But to kind of see it happening again, you kind of have to ask yourself what's happening. But at the same time, too, you think, okay, what if? I'm not saying it's going to happen. What if Kentucky says, well, it's been nice, but Coach Coach Cal, see you later. If they, again, not saying it's happening. Then, what's my question, guys? If not Kyla Perry, then who? Again, and, and, and it'll be the $64,000 question. Who's going to be the person that's going to come in and try to restabilize this program. So again, we'll see it all unfold as unfolds as conference play gets going. Um, The ACC is nuts right now. So Pitt and Clemson are your two top teams in the ACC right now. Virginia is struggling mightily. Um, Yeah, it's it's just nuts. Um, But Pitt is kind of interesting because Jeff Cable was one of those coaches that was squarely in the hot seat, and he's really got a good team. Uh, Pitt looked really good. Um, Virginia let him let him back in the game, but from what I saw, they're good. They attack. They shoot well. Good size. I mean, get at you defensively. I mean, Pitt is good. So don't don't sleep on Pitt this year. They're gonna. I think they're gonna do some good stuff. And Jeff Capel, he ain't going nowhere. I don't. I really don't think he is. Now again. Who's to say I'm going to report in the spring? But <laughs> I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But we'll we'll see how it all plays out. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of SEC. Pack, talk about Pac-12 a little bit. Um, Big Ten. I haven't really been paying that close close attention to Big Ten as of right now. Been trying to catch a few games. I know it'll ramp up really soon. But um, so far, the the field on both sides for the men and women has been very interesting. But again, I'm interested to see how the conferences are going to flesh out, because right now we're seeing some surprises, uh, I think, in every conference, really, Um, even like Baylor. We just said the Baylor is is out of the poll. And you would say that while K-State is shooting at the poll, Baylor's out. So you're kind of seeing that shift that's occurring uh, in the Big 12. So um, a lot to talk about. We'll kind of. As we said, reset the debt. We're just trying to, you know, with the season premiere here, we're just trying to get back on the horse here. But we're going to really kind of hone in on some of these games and how it's all going to impact 
not just the conference play, but how it's going to impact the NCAA tournament. Because at the end of the day, that's where we're all trying to get to. We're trying to see, you know, how all the teams get here and what team has the best opportunity to win a national championship. That's where we're kind of going here. Um, let's move move over to college football. We got some news and notes, and of course, you know. It's the big night. It's the night of all nights because there's no NFL football. But, of course, there's the CFP National Championship. We'll talk a little bit CFP in a second. News and notes. So, I made a comment earlier about UNLV. Last time I reported, I said UNLV was hiring a new offensive coordinator. That offensive coordinator was who? Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino left his head coaching job at Missouri State to go to be the O.C., uh, for Bobby Odom, who left Arkansas to take head coaching job. Great. Well, it appears Bobby Petrino has said, eh, on second thought, I got to go. He's now headed to College Station to be the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Crazy. The, 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 the trails, the life and times of Bobby Petrino. Okay. It just gets a little more interesting and that much more saucy and zesty here. So, um... Jimbo Fisher, we all know that he's one of the top offensive minds in college football. And the thing that people have been noting that he's been struggling to really coach this team simply because he's trying to call the plays and then do head coaching stuff. And we kind of know that very few of any people, very few, if any people are good at doing both. And as we've seen, AM has struggled mightily on the field. I mean, again, you think about it. They got deep pockets in College Station. They paid Jimbo Fisher a lot of money to come in, work his magic, because he's won the national championship. So he knows he knows the secret sauce. But now it's not working. And it's working because he's trying to wear too many hats. So one of the, you know, uh, talk or the talk has been, hey, if you bring in an OC. Let them run the offense. You can manage the team. Duh. I mean, two plus two equals four. It's not that freaking hard of math to do. So he gets Bobby Petrino. Makes sense. Bobby Petrino is another really masterful offensive mind. If you remember his work at Louisville, um, I mean, he had a short stint with the Falcons. You know, probably most would like to forget that. But um, not really mad at him for that. I mean, again, Someone did tweet this and said, yeah, well, look at his coordinators. You got Bobby Petrino, and we know he's had kind of a interesting checkered uh, events that have happened in his personal life. And then, of course, his defensive coordinator is DJ Durkin, and we all know his sins. So people. So, again, you know, uh, Jimbo Fisher brings in folks that he knows that can help him win, regardless of the optics of the people that he puts around them. But that's neither here nor there. You can kind of feel one way or the other if you want. I mean, again, I mean, I have opinions, but I'm going to I'm not going to give you that one today. Um, But kind of thinking along the same lines, another coach who's having that same issue. Go over to Texas. Steve Sarkeesian. Same thing. Here's a guy. Great offensive mind. He's trying to do too much. He's trying to call the plays, manage the team and we, we see what's happening this year. It was better than last year, but what? It's not up to Texas standards. So you hope that he kind of gets the picture at some point and goes, you know, 
I'm seeing what uh, Jimbo did. I'm seeing what these other coaches do. Okay, you've got a coach who's a great offensive mind, but says, look, I got to manage the game. I need someone that we're on the same page that can run this offense. And there you go. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I need offensive coordinator up in the booth or I need co-offensive coordinators or hell, even split the duties. Okay, we'll call plays together, but at least the burden of calling the plays is not completely on you. That's the thing that I don't think he's figured out yet. But again, we'll see how that goes. Um, Now, let's look at the uh, before we get to any more game action. The FCS championship was yesterday, which is weird. I was like, I thought they had played that game already. But South Dakota State wins their first FCS title over their border rival, North Dakota State, 45 to 21. The Jackrabbits finish 14 and one. North Dakota State loses in the title game for the first time in 10 appearances. So if you follow FCS or know a little bit about FCS, North Dakota State is a juggernaut in the FCS. And to lose to their arch rivals or border rivals, I'm sure has to hurt. But again, to lose for the first time in 10 title appearances is crazy. Quarterback Mac, Mac, what's that, Max, Max, Mark. Ooh, boy, I got to work on my writing here. Quarterback Mark Bronowski. So two years after he tore his ACL at the start of the FCS championship, he goes 14 for 21, 223 yards, three touchdowns, and rushed for a touchdown. And that spurred this team onto this impressive victory. Cam Miller for North Dakota State goes 18 for 29, 260 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions in the loss. So congratulations to the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. So a couple news from returning and leaving. UVA quarterback Brennan Armstrong has verbally committed to NC State, which totally makes sense because, again, we told you who's going to NC State. Robert and I leave Syracuse to replace Tim Beck as offensive coordinator. That was his former OC. And as we said, Garrett 2J leaves Virginia after the end of this season. He is now the offensive line coach at NC State. So Brennan Armstrong gets to reunite with some familiar faces and he'll uh, suit up. For the Wolfpack. Utah quarterback Cam Rising says he'll be back for his senior season. So for the second straight year, he was hurt in the Rose Bowl. And that was the difference in Penn State getting that big win. Um, also, he gets back his favorite target. Tight end Brent Keithy will come back. He is a all uh, Pac-12 second teamer. He hurt himself back in September, put him out for the season. So he gets to kind of come back. I mean, Cam Rising has been putting up some really good numbers. Keithy putting up great numbers as one of his great targets. I mean, and he's a big guy, big quarterback. I'm sorry, big tight end. Keithy, great hands, uh, you know, can run really well. So um, going to be great times for Utah. But one other thing. So Cam Rising's returning. So that's one, one quarterback. Listen to the roster of quarterbacks in the Pac-12 next season. We start with your reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. So he's going to suit up to try to become the second man to win two Heismans. Then you got Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, who is a early Heisman favorite for next year. Bo Nix is going to be back at Oregon. Then at Arizona, you got Jaden Deloria, who had a pretty impressive season. Cam Ward at Washington. Cam Ward 
dual threat, can throw, can run. I mean, Washington State, if they could have just strung together a few more plays and been just you know better defensively, they could have upset Oregon. They could have really had a great, a really, really good season with some big wins. Um, Colin Schley at UCLA. Drew Pine, who transferred from Notre Dame to Arizona State. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, he is now going to Oregon State. That's going to be fun to watch. And, of course, Shadur Sanders at Colorado. That, my friends, is a loaded roster of quarterbacks for one conference. So now the question is, who's going to be the guy that's going to stand out the most amongst all of this? I mean, right now, most money is probably going to be on Caleb Williams considering the season he had. But, I mean, you've got a lot of guys here. And, of course, situations have changed. Arizona State's got a new coach. Um, Oregon State, Jonathan Smith is steadily pushing them to newer and newer heights. Um, of course, Coach Prime coaching his son. I mean, it's going to be business as usual for Colorado. So now they're looking to get their name back into the national spotlight. Um, hopefully Cam Ward, I think Washington, I believe Washington State, I'm sorry, Washington State rather, I believe they hired a new OC. I believe he came, he's coming over from, from Western Kentucky. So again, they're trying to make these changes to kind of, you know, up the ante here and do a little bit more um, in, in the Pac-12. So uh, very interesting uh, things to think about as we end the season, because I mean, NFL's ending, you know, college football will hit the end tonight. But then, of course, in about three weeks from now, two, three weeks from now, the team's going to be back out there working out, getting ready to go again uh, in the in the fall, uh, late, late summer, early fall. So going to be fun to think about for a number of months now. All right. So let's get to tonight. So first for bowl season, so not counting tonight. So I'm 16 and 11. I said I had 27 games. And of course, I didn't count tonight because I my predictions for the CFP semifinals, I was one and one. So I had T, I had Michigan over TCU, as we know, TCU won. And I had Georgia uh, beating Ohio State. So tonight from SoFi in Los Angeles, 13 and one and third seeded Texas Christian versus first seed and 14 and 0 Georgia. The game 730 ESPN and Georgia are 13 point favorites. So this again, like the TCU Michigan uh, situation game is a tough pick. And there was a piece of me saying maybe I should have gone with TCU because I was very impressed with what they did. Uh, in the Big 12 championship, but I did say that they were vulnerable and Kansas State uh, did beat them. So a couple things to kind of think about for uh, tonight um, as far as the game's concerned. So the Georgia secondary, mm, Georgia secondary did get a little bit shredded against Ohio State. So that front seven, they've got to really pressure Max Duggan. Now Max Duggan, he knows how to move that pocket around. So even if they kind of push him in one direction, he's got really good receivers. He's got really good running backs. They run, they're very versatile on offense, and he can get the ball to a number of targets. So Duggan's going to be dangerous here. Um, TCU's defense to me is underrated. So if that front seven can make Duggan kind of, you know, make some uncharacteristic throws or kind of, 
get him to make shorter throws and kind of limit their ability to get upfield. I think Georgia wins this game. Um, I'm going to go with Georgia. It's going to be close. I wouldn't be surprised if TCU won this game. I'm not saying, you know, you know, I, I'm not trying to hedge this thing here, but I'll be happy for whoever wins because, again, I don't have a dog in a fight. But I kind of think Georgia is going to have a little bit of an edge here. They've been here before. They're, you know, a little bit, you know, more cool, calm, collective here. TCU has had this chipper in their shoulder all season like, hey, you know, no, no, everyone's doubted us. And Sonny Dykes, his message to his team has just been very simple. Do your job. How hard is that? Do your job. And it's proven to be it's proven to work for them in 13 out of 14 games. Now, again, they did their job in 14 games. They lost one. But nevertheless, you get the idea. Um, But I'm going to go Georgia close. Um, And my voice isn't going. Uh, I don't feel great about the pick, but. I kind of feel like there's a little Georgia has a little bit more of an advantage. I think TCU's defense is underrated, but I think there's going to be I think there's going to be pieces of Georgia's offense that I think TCU might have some difficulty with. So I think I give the slight edge from an offensive standpoint, a slight edge to Georgia. I think Georgia wins. They're going to win it close. Now, one last thing and I have in my notes here, Michigan. <laughs> TCU beat Michigan, and since Michigan has been out of the sting, you've been seeing the reports. Oh, um, Harbaugh talked to, I believe, Denver and Carolina, if I recall correctly, about their head coaching jobs. Now, if you recall, when Harbaugh re-upped his contract, there is a provision in his contract that says very specifically that if he talks to a team, and it doesn't have to be formally if a team calls him to ask him what the weather like is in what the weather's like in Ann Arbor, he's got to tell his boss Ward Manual. So he did what he's supposed to do, did his due diligence. He self-reported, hey, look, these teams call me. Nothing, nothing formal. They just wanted to inquire about the job and how I felt about it. Now, kind of weird, but Michigan, according to reports, is looking at an NCAA investigation. Womp womp, of course. So with that said, do not be surprised if in the next few weeks you hear that Jim Harbaugh is going back to the NFL because, I mean, they've lost the last two CFP semifinals and I'm sure that there are Michigan fans who are so happy that they're back in the conversation. But I'm sure there are probably more Michigan fans who are going, why can't we get past the semifinals of CFP? Fair fair question. Now, I don't have the answer to that question. But knowing what we know, and I believe there's a one there's a level one violation, which as we know, level one is very, very bad. And I think a level one and a level three violation, if I recall from the report I read. So with that said. If Harbaugh says, well, we had a good run. We went to CFP twice. We couldn't finish the deal. Plus, I see the avalanche coming. I'm going to move this way. Don't be surprised because, because, again, if he moves on, then what's the ripple effect? Because, again, got to go hire a new coach. Got to 
um, you know, look, deal with, okay, now what players are going to stay, what players are going to leave? Because he's already seen a couple guys transfer already, that couple big-time guys. Now, I don't know who else has left, but a couple big-time guys have left. Will we see more transfers? Possibly. But keep your eye out for that because NFL hiring season, what, who's looking for a coach? Carolina, Denver, Arizona. What, Carolina, Denver, Arizona. Uh, and I just had the other team in my head. I can't remember. Carolina, Denver, Arizona, uh, and the Texans. So they're all looking for head coaching jobs. So my money is on my money's on Carolina. That's my thought. My money's on Carolina. And I'm sure now seeing tweets from Carolina fans like, please no Harbaugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, th- I'm sorry. If you're a Carolina fan, I don't mean to wish that on you. I'm just, that's just me spitballing here. No, 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 no shots, no disrespect, but I mean, it is what it is. You know, um, as, as fans, when our teams undergo transition, there's not a whole heck of a lot we can do about it. We just kind of have to, you know, if it's somebody we really want, we get them, we're excited. If it's somebody we really want, don't get them, we're hurt. But again, we're much more hurt when it's somebody we don't feel strongly about. We get them, and then we just got to deal with the suck. And if it goes well, you're pleasantly surprised. But if you're one of those people that you're like, I don't think this is going to go well, well, you know, then you just got to, again, got to live through it. That, that's, just, that's just how it is, unfortunately. But anyway, with that said, Thank you for listening. So this has been the return show, and I appreciate you listening. Uh, as always, please uh, uh, you know share the show, uh, retweet, reblog on social media. I appreciate you. Um, if, this is, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Go back to the archives. Check me out. Lots of great interviews in the past. More great interviews coming, especially here in season four. Got some stuff I'm working on, so I hope to have you along for the ride. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And until I talk to you for episode, that'll be 198. We're getting close to our 200th episode. Make sure you continue to take care of yourself, uh, protect yourself, mask up, be concerned for yourself and others, and also remember to drink, the wa- drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.